Some people were admiring the temple and the costly stones and votive offerings. And Jesus says, all of this, this amazing big temple that was the pride of Israel, will be destroyed. Not a stone upon a stone will be left. And that was so surprising that even his, his apostles said, then when will the end of time come, will arrive? Because they associated such a catastrophe with the end of time. If this temple is going to fall, then it means that it's the end. And Jesus says, wait, wait, the end will not come so soon. Many things need to happen first. Three years ago, President Trump was elected. I remember very well the different reactions people had, at least within the Catholic Church in Oregon where I was living. Some were very happy, celebrating a victory. And most of them were happy because they felt that this election could have meant a possible move forward, especially in the pro-life cause. They felt that unborn life would be better protected and Family life would be uh, also protected and respected. And of course, this is a very important topic. And they also felt that you know, the economy was going to do better. So some of them instead were very sad. They were even angry because they felt that minorities would be disregarded, the weak would be threatened, and hatred among people of different backgrounds could be fomented. And for sure, this is another important topic the U.S. has always been a leading country at integrating immigrants in a successful way, I would say. Germans, Polish, Irish, Italians, Mexicans, Hispanics in general, African-American, Native American. So the, the social reality of this country is very diverse. And after much struggle, it seemed that it had reached some peace. And these people felt that that was going to be like a step backwards. And at least that is what I heard from both sides, no? more or less. And I'm sure that each one of these groups might have presented more reasons to be happy or to be sad. Economical, educational, healthcare issues, international affairs, and so on. And it's amazing. Three years have passed since. Time flies, doesn't it? And another election is approaching. Recently in Argentina, we had a similar situation. Half of our country is celebrating and half is mourning. We just have a new president-elect and many are afraid and concerned while many rejoice, of course. History of countries and communities. So what, what, does, what, what does our faith tell us about all this situation? Does it have any light to shed upon this situation? And I think it does. Because the, the readings, especially in this moment of the year when the ordinary time is like finishing and the advent is approaching, all the readings point out to the end of times. And it offers us a long perspective about history and human affairs. So if we read them carefully and pray about them, they make us wiser, so to say because they, 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 make, they put us closer to the way Jesus sees history and human affairs as well. He said once, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass 
away. Amazing words in, 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 the, in the lips, on the lips of a rabbi that had no power, no political power, no one really cared about him except, you know, his disciples. He was in the corner of the Roman Empire. empire. But he was aware of this. He knew everything will pass, but my words will remain. And here we are gathered in his name in, in the other corner of the world after 2,000 years. So this means that he has the final victory. So often we place our hopes or our fears in a particular government or a particular leader. And with time it passes. Reagan passed. Bush, both father and son, they passed. From, from office, I mean. No? Bill Clinton passed. Obama passed. And Trump will pass sooner or later. So I think it's good to remember this because we run the risk to place too much hope or fear in men that will pass, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And I think this is particularly relevant in a city like this that is so political because we are so close to where decisions are made. There's a song that says, but not, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no help. And another says, be still and know that I am God. Be quiet, be still, and know that I am God. Of course, you could object that even if this is true, we all know that things come and go. Um, meanwhile, there's much suffering or much goodness that is done to people in the, in the process. So, you know, people are affected, real people are affected in the process. So, Father, it's not all about the eternal life and the end of time. It's also about what we have to go through. Sure, it's true, it's true. And I think it's true, especially in this country. Whatever happens here is influential in so many ways to the rest. But even so, it's good to know, and this is what the readings are inviting us to reflect, that no one really defeats God that he's powerful, that he knows more, and that he has his time, his timelines, so to say, that are different than ours. And that he, and this is very important, he can bring good things out of every human affair if we put our trust in him. You know, the, the real important history in God's eyes is the history of every single human being, of each one of us, Regardless of, you know, the political situation that we live in, regardless of if you're doing well or if you're struggling, he always can work with us in every single situation. And he can always bring goodness out of the things that we're going through. What really matters is the type of people that we are being made of with our decisions and with his grace. We're pilgrims. We're getting closer to a final victory, and he's working with us in, in hidden ways, and sometimes not so hidden ways. So these readings are meant to, you know, lift up our hope. They're apocalyptic um, type of readings because they, they speak about the end. And for a Christian, the end is hopeful because we know that the end is the victory of God. Jesus himself says in, in, in today's gospel, he says, 
when you hear of wars and insurrection, do not be terrified. Such, thi such things must happen first, but do don't be afraid. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. It's like if he was already seeing all that was going to happen. As I was reading this, you know, these readings for this Sunday, we're thinking, isn't this like a perfect description of last century, for example? Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Earthquakes, famines, plagues from place to place. All these things might happen, but keep your peace, says the Lord. God is God. And I think these thoughts apply not only to political affairs, but also to cultural ones. You know, many are speaking today of a cultural war that also runs through the church. In this view, there would be like a liberal church and a conservative church. And I think the scheme is too simplistic, but still we can be, um, we, we can feel that anxiety or that unrest when we hear things like that, no? That there's this division and this, all this confusion, cultural confusion that we see is taking place. Be still and trust in God, says Jesus today. God is God and nothing escapes his providence. Let us remember who we are and where we are going and what is our destiny and our call you know, some things look that as if they would never change, like the Jerusalem temple, for example, or they would never fall. The Roman Empire seemed like it would never fall. It lasted 10 centuries, and for sure, in, in the time of Jesus, it seemed to everyone that it was going to be always there, but it wasn't the case. Or the, you know, the Spanish Empire in the 16th century, it seemed so big and so powerful that, that it would never fall, but it fell. Or the English Empire in the 19th century, it seemed so powerful and it fell, as well as an empire, I mean, no? Or the Soviet Union, remember those who are a little, uh, you know, older than, than, than the, the youth here. When John Paul II was elected a pope and the Soviet Union was, you know, strong and still in place and Poland was behind the wall and it changed. It's very different now, no? It's such a... It seemed in the moment that, that it would last forever, that the world was going to be divided in two and there's nothing to do about it. In the gospel, Jesus invites us to trust and to do our job, of course, to be you know, connected and engaged. Each one of us, we have a mission, we have a vocation, we have something to do. We might be students, we might be young, young families, we might be people working in the marketplace or in the political arena. We have our, our part to do, for sure. So we try to do our best. We are engaged, but in such a way that we are wise at the same time, that we leave some room for, 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 for peace and for silence. Because we know that we only see so much and not very much, really. Jesus says today, just you have to be witnesses of that hope in the midst of all these struggles. They will persecute you. They, you, know, they, you. You will have to pay witness in front of governors and politicians. And, you know, the time might, might come when we have to do that, but you know, not even a hair of your, of your head will, will fall without you know, the... God knowing 
about it. God is with you. The real war, I would say, the real division is between what God wants to do in our lives and evil. That is a real division. And that war is a war within a war, so to say, or a struggle within a struggle. It's the hidden thread that runs through all the turmoils of human affairs. What God wants to do in our lives and evil. And that war is already won. It's already decided. It's won by God. Because we approach, you know, human history approaches a climax, an end, when a new Jerusalem will come, when everything will be transformed. The Catechism says, this consummation will be the final realization of the unity of the human race. We don't know when it will happen, but it will happen for sure. Because Jesus spoke many times about this. And we trust in his word. So we struggle, we do our best, we push forward what we believe is good and better and best. But at the same time, we sleep in peace. We rest in God. And we know that, we acknowledge that we can only do so much. And we leave the rest to him. Let me finish with this. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, initiated a, a, you know, a series of, of, of letters with an Italian priest. This Italian priest, he lived in Verona in, in Italy, and he was struggling a lot because it was 1948, so Italy, after post-war, um, was poor, and he had a big house with many orphans, you know, kids from orphans from the, of the war, and he was struggling to, you know, to, to raise them and was um, complaining about the situation. And he was writing to Louis. It, this is amusing because he didn't know any English, so he wrote all these letters in Latin. And Louis, of course, knew Latin very well, so he answered in Latin. And they're published. You can buy the book. It's called The Latin Letters of C.S. Lewis. And so you have the Latin, the Latin you know, original and then the English translation. And in one of the letters, Louis says to Don Calabria, about his complaints. It's a little long, but pay attention. He says, I believe that the men of this age, and among them you, Father, and myself, think too much about the state of nations and the situation of the world. Does not the author of the imitation of Christ warn us against involving ourselves too much with such things? We are not kings, we are not senators. Let us beware lest while we torture ourselves in vain about the state of Europe, we neglect either Verona or Oxford, where, where Lewis lived. In the poor man who knocks at my door, in my ailing mother, in the young man who seeks my advice, the Lord himself is present. Therefore. Let us wash his feet. I have, I've, I have always believed that Voltaire, infidel though he was, thought aright in that admonition of his to cultivate your own garden 
Likewise, William Dunbar, when he said, man, please thy maker, and be merry. I think this is a very good attitude to cultivate, cultivate for us as well, to cultivate our own garden. To mean, this means to do our part, of course, and leave to God the rest.